everybody. Hello. Uh, welcome to the film room. This week we discussed one that you had not seen previously. Yeah, this was uh, a movie that I'd actually held off on seeing and found an excuse to watch. Um, that's another 96 movie. We're taking a look at uh, Roald Dahl's uh, Matilda, uh, brought to the screen by director Danny DeVito. A movie that celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, and a movie I'd avoided for all 20 years. Which I can't imagine why. I have a very good reason for why. Uh, it, it's very important for me to stress that I really, really, really love the book. The book was one of my favorite books growing up as a child, and uh, I didn't see it in theaters, and I just I decided I didn't want to see the movie. I decided I was okay letting the book stay the book, even though everybody told me, oh, the movie is great, the movie is fantastic. Well, I didn't want to watch it, and then we kind of realized, oh, this is an excuse to do a cast, so I decided, eh, for the cast, I'll watch it. It's the book. It's the book. We're gonna get on the. We're gonna get to my thoughts on the movie, but before we do so, we do have to give a little bit of background, a lot of context here, because there is a lot of context to this movie. The movie uh, came out in 1996, the same year as another Roald Dahl adaptation, James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a very big year for Dahl on film. Uh, James and the Giant Peach, I did see. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's it. It's 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 an excellent film. Um. One thing I remember from the marketing of that film is uh, from the director of Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. which a lot of people took to mean Tim Burton. Tim Burton did not direct Nightmare Before Christmas. Ugh. Which is really a shame because Henry Selleck is an auteur in his own right. Uh, one thing that is, is so interesting about Dahl is how much he attracts auteur directors. Uh, he's a writer who really does draw um, directors with uh, strong voices, which I think is interesting. Uh, he's had his works adapted by Steven Spielberg this year uh, with the BFG, which I've heard mixed on. I I've heard some loved it, some weren't so high, and some were outright mixed on it. Wes Anderson, of course, did uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is spectacular. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, BFG was my introduction to Raoul Dahl. Yeah, it's... it's it... I'll be, and the trailers look... Perfect. So I, yeah. I'll be interested to see yeah, what I think. I'll catch it on video. Um, I'm catching a lot of stuff on video this year. Um, again, uh, Henry Selleck doing uh, James and the Giant Peach. Nicholas Roeg doing The Witches. Mm, yeah, that's another one-to-one -one book adaptation. With, yeah, uh, with until the ending. Change. Until the ending, which is kind of a major change. Um, yeah, it's the happy ending change. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Why? 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 I'm. I, yeah, it doesn't really fit the tone of the rest, but yeah. Let's face it, uh, it's the reaction was extremely mixed, but Tim Burton did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I like, damn it. I like that movie. I like too. I I think it's a fine adaptation. Uh, it's more faithful, and it can be because, uh, you know, because of the effects technology had caught yeah, up by that point. It's fun. It, it's, it's fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's a rather more cynical take on it, too, which... It kind of should be, because that book is cynical as hell. Hell, I even like Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka, because it is a very different take. He's not doing Gene Wilder. I, I actually really like that he's going in the exact... Well, it's not opposite, it's in a completely different direction that's so bizarre it can't be quantified. But I like I like Depp in it. Uh, Y'all will hear commentary, by the way, throughout the cast. Um, Lola is in the background. She's talking. <laughs> She's talking up a storm. She's looking at her feet, by the way. Um, but I, I like that movie. I, I, I really do. I think, I think it's spectacular looking. It's, uh, and, and it's, it's Burton at his very strongest. Um, I, I, I really, there's, I have a lot of love for that movie. And then, of course, um, there's today's uh, outing that we're going to be discussing, um, which again uh, comes from uh, Danny DeVito, a who I don't think gets enough credit as a director. Um, I, I really like DeVito as a director. I he bring he's very good at black comedy. Yeah, there were I, I loved the camera work in this movie. It's something I completely forgot about. The camera work is fantastic. That's an extremely well directed film. Uh, he's you know being being a first rate actor himself. He's of course very good at directing actors. And but he does have a really good eye. He he really shoots it well. It's it's an interesting looking movie. If you haven't seen a uh, Devito's uh, directorial debut, uh, The War of the Roses, oh, it's such a great movie. 
That is a great pitch black comedy. I didn't know he directed anything outside of Matilda. Oh, he's done several movies. He's done, uh, He did Death to Smoochie, which, damn it, that one is so much better than people give it credit for. I did not know he was behind that one. Yeah, he, he directed that. That one's kind of awesome, actually. That that one's a really good script. Um, Very good script. Um, Yeah, he's a very good director. And so, so that brings us to this movie, and... Um, a little bit of background, uh, directed by uh, DeVito, who, God, he wore so many hats on this movie. He narrates it. He plays Matilda's father. He um, produced it. Which is much uh, easier to separate than you would imagine. Yeah, it is. Though it was a little bit distracting. Um, maybe, an- maybe another voice as narrator would have been a little bit better because he doesn't exactly change his vocal tone for it. No, he doesn't. He's still Danny DeVito. I mean, he's fine because, again, I, I, I really like him as an actor. God, he is so great on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, he is. There's a cool story about that show. He was brought on explicitly to, like, kind of boost the ratings, and so they brought him on for a season. And the idea for was, well... two. Yeah, for season two. And the idea was he'd goose the ratings, and then, eh, he'd, he'd leave. He's still on the show just because they were just because they realized, oh, we're lucky enough to get to have this guy on the show. He enjoys he loves doing it. They love working with him. And so yeah, so he stayed on and he's great on that. Oh, he's so great yeah. on that. I love that show so much. Permanent member of the main cast. Yeah, I'm catching up to season ten. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's it's I just wild. I just passed the episode where they do most of it in one take. Oh, yeah, that's a really greatly shot episode. Uh, I love that show. Um, So, uh, you know, DeVito uh, directed and all kinds of roles on the film. Um, The script comes from writers uh, Nicholas Kazan and Robin Sricord. The latter of whom wrote um, Little Women is probably her best known script. Uh, She's done a number of things. Uh, Talented writer. um, and uh, they are uh, they themselves are actually in real life uh, married um, and uh, have a daughter who has actually gone into the family business herself as a writer. So go figure, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, she's a writer and an actress. Yeah. So, so I think that's awesome. I, I think that's awesome. Um, uh, very much a family film. Uh, DeVito's uh, co-star in the film is his wife, Rhea Perlman. Uh, the movie was released in uh, uh, August of 1996 was not a huge box office performer. It did only about $33 million in the United States, but uh, did about the same overseas, so it did turn a good profit. That wasn't an expensive movie. I think it, that was about roughly the film's budget was $30 million or so. Yeah, that's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's a great-looking movie. It really is. Um, there's a lot of great practical effects in this movie, and uh, as I said, it's gone on to become a very timeless movie. Um, I will say it was very well-reviewed. It has about 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so it was a well-reviewed film. And with all that said, we've got all this lead-up, so let's get to uh, the film itself. Um, the story itself is extremely simple. A small girl who is perpetually uh, ignored and abused by her family finds herself flourishing uh, in, the school in, in a school environment where she discovers she has telekinesis. Telekinesis that's brought on by just complete pent-up... Rage. Uh, rage. Yeah. At her situation. I love how uh, slowly they build up the telekinesis. Yeah, thing. they do. That's nice. They do. They do a really good job of building it up and slowly setting it up and slowly establishing that she's got these powers until it builds and builds to the scene where she's watching TV with her family. And it's just, it's masterfully done. It just builds. And when she gets angry, you feel it. When she makes the TV explode, it's perfect. Um, well, that's that was the first time that was the first time it flared up. Yeah, and let's get this out of the way as quickly as we can. I absolutely love this movie. This is a fantastic movie, and yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a very happy cast for us. I have some criticisms I'm gonna bring up, but I do love this movie. And the TV show, the quote unquote TV show that they're watching when uh, she does that is oh, spot it's, on. It's awful. It's just this. <laughs> horrible parody it's, of game shows it's the stupidest it's very real doll it is are you ready to get sticky with mickey but for those idiots out there who don't know how to play here's how it goes for each correct answer they'll move one step closer to our cube of cash 
Once in our little cash, any money that sticks to your gooey body, you get to take home. It's this horrible parody of game shows where people get glued up and uh, put into a thing where they, uh, into like one of those cash uh, tornadoes. It's the choice yeah. of actor to play the host, by the way, really underlines how <laughs> sleazy it is. Uh, John Lovitz. John Lovitz. It's a great cameo, yeah, a cameo. by him. There are some really yeah. good cameos in this movie, like uh, the FBI agents, one of whom is conspicuous. Yeah, yep, one of whom is Paul Rubens. Oh, it's, oh, there's so much, so, so much good here. But yeah, as I said, it's a fairly basic story of a girl who slowly learns to get revenge. It's a fairly episodic film. It's not very tightly structured, which is kind of how the book is. And it really is very true to the book. It's it's more of a slow emotional build about a girl who really is dealing with a terrible family and about how she slowly learns to escape it. The main thing to note about the vengeance, it's not just vengeance for herself, it's vengeance for uh, her teacher and the school she goes to. Because that is the thing that everybody remembers about this movie, is the terrifying, because not, not only does she have to deal with her parents, uh, she has to deal with the terrifying headmistress of the school that she goes to, the Trunchbull. Is that my teacher? No, that's the principal, Miss Trunchbull. You've got to be kidding. Uh-uh. You squirts better skedaddle. I'm not kidding. The Trunchbull likes to snap a whip in there to see who's trying to hide. Stop again! Change those socks. Agatha Trunchbull, what a great name for a character. Um, <laughs> um, the actress that plays the role, uh, Pam Ferris... Uh, in the in America, only known for really two roles, this and she's in one of the Harry Potter movies. Um, it, at the really? very beginning, it's the second one, I think. And once again, she gets to be the victim of uh, uh, supernatural uh, torment. Uh, this time, uh, Harry, she's the aunt that they send flying away. That he sends flying. Oh, Harry Potter three. Oh, of course, she's Aunt Marge. Okay. Oh, that's oh okay. That makes perfect sense because it's Quarone. Because one of the other movies that she's in is uh, uh, Child Children of Men. She's in Children of Men, where she actually gets to play a very different part. Uh, it's one of the few movies that I've seen where she actually plays a very nice character. Uh, she plays the uh, midwife that helps Clive Owen in that movie. Oh, nice. Uh, and actually, actually, and actually has that really wonderful monologue where she explains what it was like realizing that slowly that, oh, humanity's dying out. It's a great monologue. She's fantastic in it. By all accounts, by the way, although the character is this horrible monster, all accounts from the set are that she was a perfectly lovely human being and uh, quite nice. Um, it's impossible, by the way, for us to discuss this movie without discussing the huge shadow that uh, the film star yeah. casts over it, uh, Mara Wilson. Uh, this was not a fun production for her. Uh, Wilson's mother died during the making of this movie. Uh, she died of breast cancer. Something that really does inform Wilson's performance. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to ignore that there's a little bit of, there's a lot of sadness to this performance. Wilson is fantastic in the title role. I mean, I'm going to use that word a lot, fantastic, because that really is the, the word that comes to my mind on this. Um, if I seem a little ditzy-headed, it's again because I'm also trying to feed my baby at the same time. Little girls really do have powers, I'm telling you. But yeah, I mean, Wilson is just great in this role. Because she really does convey the intelligence. She's plausible. Because that's the thing, this is a hard part for any actor. You know, especially a child. Because you have to convey so much intelligence. The idea of the character, of course, is that Matilda is a genius, but no one notices it. Right. Uh, except for her teacher. But you, to do that, you have to be plausibly smart. You have to be plausibly assured and confident. Well, her teacher and the librarian. Her teacher and the librarian notice it, but they're the only ones. Everybody else just thinks she's a brat and a pain. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of commentary here going through this movie, which is very funny when you consider that Roald Dahl was actually a profound sexist. Yeah. Yeah. This is an extremely feminist work, but Roald Dahl was a staggering sexist. In real life, hmm. so it's wow. accidental that this that uh, this message came in. Uh, yeah, I urge everybody to do some reading on what Roald Dahl was like in real life. 
you'll start to look at your uh, you'll start to look at your book collection a little differently. I've wanted to read his adult works for some time, but now I'm not so sure. You really probably shouldn't. They're actually really stunningly misogynistic, at times quite racist. Uh, Dahl was an extremely, which really, if you stop to think about it, you can see some of this in his uh, children's books. I mean, the witches. Mm-hmm. Put that through a sexist lens. Put that through a sexist lens, and it starts to be very unsettling. Yeah. Unless you've got the witches. You've got oh, um, the Oompa Loompas. If you view that through the view that he was extremely uh, racist, oh boy, do they start to look horrible, don't they? Yeah, I think in the original, the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, they. The reason they're orange is that they wanted to avoid the racist undertones. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, Tim Burton, uh, wanting to be true to the book, uh, brought it back. Yeah, he brought it back and hired an Indian man to play all the Oompa Loompas. That's true. Oh, that's <laughs> not. I mean, I mean, it's it's actually quite entertaining. Uh, Deep Roy does an awesome job in that movie. He but, does. Oh, yeah. Boy. Oh, oh boy. boy! Something the original, the original production of that uh, did right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it did. Um, God, but but yeah. So getting back to this movie's message, it is a very distinctly feminist message. It is though kind of more than a little bit classist if you stop to think about it. One of the big changes, of course, that the movie makes is that it moves the story from Great Britain to uh, the United States. But in the story, uh, Matilda's father is a sleazy, slimy. Um, embodiment of british sliminess and here he's an embodiment of american sliminess yeah the car salesman yeah he's a car salesman in both and oh my god i love the scenes i was so nervous that one of the scenes that might get cut is where he explains his job i mean it had to be in there because it's so vital to the plot but he is this despicable car salesman he's the embodiment of the stereotype and Let's be clear, this movie is in no way grounded in reality. It is a cartoon. Everything about this movie is cartoonish. But but yeah, like you see him, the techniques that he uses, and they're horrible. We really should weld these bumpers on. But that takes time, equipment, money. So, we use super, super glue instead. Waterfall off? Definitely. Transmission. The sawdust quiets the gears and lets the engine run as sweet as a nut. For a couple of miles. <laughs> Daddy, that's cheating. Of course it's cheating. Nobody ever got rich being honest. I mean, they're the kind that would get that would have gotten him arrested on day one if he'd actually tried them. But, you know, fiction, we let him do it. And, God, DeVito tears into this part with so much gusto. He really does. I mean, he is so much fun in this movie. And he's horrible. He just, he's really terrible in this film. Yeah. God. Yeah, if there's one thing Danny DeVito knows how to do, it's how to act like a horrible human being. Yeah, which again is funny because in real life I've heard right. he's just the nicest of men. But he's yeah. good at but he's so good at playing sleazy. I think you have to I think you have to be a good person in order to be this good at being this horrible. Yeah. But yeah, he he's great in this part. Um God, but yeah, that scene in the car in, where he's like, you know, you see the sawdust in the glue and it's like, wow. Wow, you, you you suck. Uh, yeah, yeah. The fact that he trades a car for his daughter's education. Yeah, and and the only reason that he's sold on this school is because he thinks his daughter is going to get punished. Yeah, you know he's like, oh, good, because that's the thing. All the adults except for uh, the teacher and the librarian think Matilda is just this monster, and there actually is some really nice subtle commentary in that. One of the reasons that I really loved this book growing up was that it was something that I could relate to. Uh, I was a smart kid, and I could relate to the idea that sometimes teachers don't know what to do with you. Yeah, yeah, I got that too. And I thought that the movie did a really, and the movie does a really great job of playing that up. That some of these people, you know, they mistake, because they mistake the child who's willful and knows what they want to do with their life for the child that's uh, a problem. The movie gets that really right. The movie really does nail that. Um, oh God, especially keeping Trunchbull's horrible, uh, the chokey. Ugh. <laughs> Which is yeah. essentially uh, an amateur Iron Maiden. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. That, that. It's, it's straight up torture. It is. It's straight up torture. 
Yeah, one thing that I was really happy that this movie did is it does not soften any of the material. No. <laughs> not at all, no. She doesn't really hit children with that Rylan crop, does she? No, it's mostly for scare. What she does is worse. Like yesterday, the second grade, the trunchbull makes a weekly visit to every classroom to show the teachers a thing or two about handling kids. And Julius Rautwinkel ate two M&M's during her lesson. And she caught him? Of course. Ah! Was Julius okay? After being thrown out the window? Of course he wasn't okay. He lived, if that's what you mean. Which was kind of my fear that they were going to do. And especially if you look at the advertising, it kind of implies they're going to go in that direction. I, I want to point out, this movie did not have a very good ad campaign. It did not have a very promising one, in the least. Very slapstick very much playing up the ending of the movie, which I'm going to talk about later. But yeah, doesn't really work. The The ad campaign was not very good. Again, this movie was given kind of a botched release. It opened about the same time as the Winter Olymp as the Summer Olympics, which were held in America that year. So there was high viewership. It was just, it was just bad. It was a bad release. This is a very cold movie. It belonged in the winter. I, I, I do not know... Or even, like, pushing it to October would have been great. This is a cold movie. This is a bitter movie. This is not a fun... Well, it is fun. It's a tremendous amount of fun. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. A, it's not a happy movie. As, I mean, as far as themes go. I mean, it's a movie where a woman grabs a child by her pigtails, flings her like a hammer toss, and she goes flying out... And she goes flying. And almost gets impaled, if not for Matilda. Yeah. Nice little touch there. Uh, God. Yes, by a woman who it's established murdered someone. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's, it's not, uh, uh, yeah, it does not sugarcoat that. No, it, it really doesn't. I mean, it, it, it doesn't sugarcoat any of the abuse. The abuse she suffers at home is horrifying, and... You, you were talking earlier about the angles in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. The camera work and the... Yeah. One of the things that DeVito does, because uh, it, it's much better directed than you would expect a quote-unquote actor-directed movie to be. I, I think we kind of have a tendency to expect actor-directed movies to be flatly shot. Um, a lot of... I mean, huh, thinking of a certain auteur director uh, who is also an actor, Eastwood, um, who has that tendency... Yeah, I'm just saying Clint Eastwood does kind of have that tendency. He's known for his very basic shot work. There's a lot of low-angle shots in this movie, which are effective because it's supposed to be from a child's point of view. Which, by the way, this would be a good time to point out the film that the film's DVD is atrocious to look at. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, let me talk about my journey of uh, acquiring the DVD on this. Uh, I tried to rent it through YouTube, uh, but... It's one of the films that's on YouTube, but you have to buy it. You have to you have to buy it, and I am not a fan of owning movies digitally, as far as like the only method of owning them. Uh, so I set out to get the DVD. I went to Vintage Stock, and uh, they said, "Well, we have we only have it in a double feature with Pippi Longstocking," to which my response was, "Sure." At least and that is a logical double feature DVD, I will say that. Is it? Oh yeah, very logical. I mean, I'm not saying that the two films are of equal quality, kind of far from it, but um, right. they are both based on legendary books about uh, little girls, uh, so... I guess that's true. Yeah, I, I, I can buy that. I can buy that one. Doesn't piss me off. So I went to Vintage Talk after having them hold it for me. I think the guy got confused because he couldn't find it. He said, we haven't had Matilda here for two years. And I should have realized that, oh, I actually have the double feature Matilda Pippi Longstocking. Ah. Uh, yeah, I realized that after I left. But it's like, okay, well. Uh, so I went to Target because the website said that, they, uh, that my local Target had it. It is a staple there, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they had that double feature. And they also had the standalone. Yeah. I looked. I looked at the specs because I, because I, when I looked on the Target website, I was alarmed that it said full frame. It's like okay. Um, so I looked at the specs for the standalone. Like uh, oh, one thirty three full screen. Okay. So I looked at the specs for the 
I looked at the specs for the Pippi Longstocking double feature, which I wasn't expecting much because you know how, yeah, you know those things they just package the disc, the disc that's already there, and sure enough, yeah, full frame. So I had no options there. <laughs> yeah, that's how I watched it because uh, that's how I had to watch it from the library was uh, full frame. Uh, the only uh, version that's uh, widescreen is the uh, Blu-ray. Yeah, and maybe, maybe the YouTube version. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a crime they don't make it available for rent. I mean, yeah, because it's it's noticeable. Like I, I noticed it when, like, this is my first time watching it in a digital format. The only other way I've watched it has been VHS. It's been that long since I've seen it. And even back then, I noticed it. The pan and scan. Yeah, there's a lot of pan and scan on this. And <sighs> it's disorienting. Fortunately, the movie is good, but yeah, I I did not... It is frustrating. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You see, the funny thing about this is my first exposure to widescreen was in 1997. Because I got the uh, Star Wars trilogy on VHS, and the edition that I got were uh, widescreen. Yeah, I, I wasn't... Uh... I wasn't quite the cinephile I was today. Otherwise, I would have gotten those editions in widescreen as well. Oh, they're gorgeous. They, I, I still won't go to DVD for that reason. Yeah, because they look so good. Um, I would, I would, re- but yeah, it, they, they look fantastic in uh, widescreen. So yeah, I mean, what's well, the Star Wars trilogy? I, yeah, widescreen is so much preferable, and it it, it really is frustrating here because again. This is a really great-looking movie. That's what's so frustrating about it, is it's it, there's like the color scheme throughout the movie is very interesting. Um, it's it's very heavy on oranges and yellows uh, and browns. There, there there's kind of a bleak color scheme to this movie, really. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, it's it's very effective at setting that tone of things are bad and things are wrong, and then it. Then in like the last minute or so, uh, then in like the scenes with Miss Honey in general, it kind of changes to brighter colors, to bolder, more vibrant colors. It is interesting that that's, and it's a nice subtle cue. I mean, this is really a movie that's thought through, um, all the way it's thought through, which I really like. I mean, I like that there's so much effort put into it. Because again, it, it is, it's a very attractive looking film. Um, I'm not sure what else the DP has done, um, but it is, it, it's it's a good looking movie. And again, DeVito has a good eye. My favorite scenes in that film, just from a filmmaking standpoint, is, you know, when Matilda is using her powers, her powers full tilt against the Trunchbull, mm-hmm. like the, both in the scene in the house and in the schoolroom when... It's a nice effect that she's making the chalk write what she... what uh, Which was done using uh, magnets, by the way. Really? Oh, yeah. nice. I thought that looked very practical. Well, obviously, there's very little CGI in this film, if any at all, actually. I mean, it's... it's This was 96, so it was uh, extensively practical. I mean, there are multiple times where you can almost see the wires, to be honest. But that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, it, the the pra- the practical work really looks good. Yeah, all the effects and almost all the in this movie are practical. And they look really good. Yeah, but that that effect coupled with uh, all the children like reading out what's supposed to be uh, this person that she murdered. Yeah, it's like that's creepy. <laughs> no, it's very creepy, and it speaks to the advantage of hiring. That's the thing. This movie would not be half as good if it had been handed off to say a standard kids director. Uh, if like so yeah, it no, had been, no. if say it had been handed to one of the directors of one of the Mighty Ducks films, it wouldn't be half as effective because Devito is willing to go places as a director that another director wouldn't do. He is willing to play up like okay, the, take that shot where she, uh, he where she first discovers her telekinesis, and it's the way that it's edited, it's intense because it's you know cutting back and forth and back and forth and back and forth yeah the one where she uh she tells her father to yell at her uh that one's good the the tv scene the scene Mm -hmm. where the tv or the tv scene yeah yeah it's really intense and it's it's more than a little disturbing actually (laughs) 
I didn't do it. It is, yeah. But again, that's the advantage of having a director that's willing to actually go forward and embrace the darkness of it. Um, and then you've got the scene at uh, the Trunchbull's house where you, uh, which is an addition, by the way, that was not in the book. I also, uh, before we leave, before we go too far out of the TV scene, uh, it's, I always thought it was very ironic that uh, he keeps verbatim the whole thing about, There's nothing you can get from a book that you can't get from a television faster. This is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a movie that very much encourages you to go read books. It's a movie that... It does. I, I, it I does. do praise that. I, I do praise that. Um, yeah, there's there's never a scene where she isn't uh, reading as far as when everyone else is doing things and she has nothing to do, she reads. Yeah, it's a great subtle touch. Um, but yeah, but but then again, you've got the scene with uh, at uh, the Trunchbull's house where she steals the doll... And again, that is completely in addition to the movie. Um, I, I might be misremembering that, but I'm pretty sure that was not in the original book. Like, we talk about this as a very faithful adaptation. There's actually a lot that's been added. Like, the entire FBI agent thing. Like, in the book, we don't really know that anybody's on to the uh, dad until the very end. But the movie adds the FBI agents. And I love the fact that Matilda's, right from the start, is telling them they're FBI agents. And they just... Do not listen at all. Well, then there's like the moment later where the mother is entertaining them. And by the way, here's a moment where I need to stop and point out just how great Rhea Perlman is in this movie. Uh, she's awesome in this movie. You don't let me talk to people! I am in a cage, Abby! I need to talk to somebody besides our stupid kids! I mean, we have to point out that she is a, a great comedic actress in her own right. Um, cheers. You know, she was amazing on Cheers. She's very good here. Ah, oh, love, love her work here. Uh, what's interesting is in the book, the mother is this short, squat, uh, fat woman, and the father is the tall, thin one. Well, reality ne necessitated that the uh, that the positions be swapped. <laughs> right. You know, reality being reality, they they had to cast how they cast. So. Again, I'm fine with that because talented actors were hired. Like, that's a, another change. But yeah, Perlman is great. She also has a moment that really was not in the book at the end where she realizes that, oh, we never really did understand our daughter, did we? And that's right. a nice small touch. I, I Again, I'm, I want to hold off on my thoughts on the ending until the very last bit of this cast. But but she is good. And so, yeah, you have that whole scene where, with her entertaining these guys. And again, Matilda is just screaming at them, they're... FBI agents, how are you all not noticing this? I slave all day, I come home, you're entertaining a couple of surfer dude bodybuilders. The cops, Dad. It's like they're parked across the street right now. She's like, oh yeah, they're speedboat salesmen. It's like, then what are they still doing here? Yeah, and it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, I, that That's added. The brother in the book is is nicer to Matilda. In the movie, he just goes along with how how horrible his parents are but in the book he's actually quite quite he's at least polite to her hmm i guess i remember yeah it's also been a very long time since i've read the book well that's for me too but that's one thing i definitely strongly remember i ha i had a copy and it just disappeared i had a copy and it fell apart i read uh, i read it constantly um i i but again i really but let, just to double back on the uh to uh, that scene at the uh, house that, again, is an addition. And actually was such a distinct addition that I kind of wondered if the original climax of the book was going to be cut because it's such an effective climax. But no, we, 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 we still get the same climax. And that is actually one thing that I kind of do have a complaint is that I wish the movie had decided on one or the other of the two because they because as it stands, it's kind of illogical that Trunchbull goes back to the school you know, it is kind of illogical that she's gone through this harrowing experience and she goes back to the school. Now, remind me, uh, how does the book end on that front? The book ends as the movie does with her being humiliated and driven out of school uh, with Ma Matilda using the uh, thing. I will, by the way, point out the, the scene with the newt. That's that's from the book. The newt. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, which yeah. That, that joke is awesome. That joke is See, that's how you do a, a joke right in a kid's movie. 
It's a little bit gross, but it's not too gross and it's not too irritating. It's a good joke that's well executed. Uh, DeVito really knows what he's doing in terms of the staging of it. Um, so what you're saying is that all that stuff that happens at the house... Yeah, that's uh, added. I'm almost sure that's added. If I'm wrong, everybody feel free to uh, point it out. I don't remember that being in the book, especially because the whole thing with the doll is added in. Uh, the whole bit with the doll is a reference to uh, Roald Dahl's uh, wife, uh, who was also who also went by Lissy. Get it, <laughs> Lissy Doll? Oh, yeah, boy, that. Oh, yeah. I was rolling my yeah. eyes at oh, that God. one. <laughs> um, well, I w- though I will say the relationship between <laughs> Miss Honey and uh, Trunchbull is again totally lifted from the book. That's that's just exactly how it goes. There's there's also a change in that in the book. When uh, Trunchbull leaves, uh, someone else becomes headmaster of the school. Uh, someone we haven't ever really met. I vastly prefer the movie's decision to elevate Miss Honey to the role. Much smarter. Yeah, that makes a lot more that's, sense. That's a much better... That's just that's just streamlined writing there. That's, that's one of those things that I'm uh, more and more realizing that uh, when adaptations do that, then uh, it's... It's just the right thing to do. Like, Game of Thrones does a lot of that. Yeah. Streamline and condense your characters if you can. Yeah. Game of Thrones does an insane amount of that. Uh, uh, and it makes and it makes things more interesting when uh, adaptations do that, too. Because it puts characters in situations that make a lot more sense for them. And it makes the drama more interesting. Yeah. And I mean... People get I, I I know people get annoyed when adaptations aren't literal adaptations, but again, a movie is a movie, a book is a book. You can't do a straight adaptation. And and again, most of the changes that this movie makes from the book I think are for the better. Because like, say the brother had been a nice person, that would have made the ending much more upsetting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it also would have asked some. It also would have made her. It also would have begged the question of, okay, well, why doesn't he stick up for her if he's nicer? No, if he if he's a shit just like everybody else, then it makes sense. Again, yeah. good writing. Good writing is a must. Yeah, yeah one of the things that I uh, either I completely forgot about or did not notice, like for the, from the ending scene where they they let Miss Honey adopt Matilda, is, uh, is the sirens in the background. And that just get louder and louder. Yeah, because because in the book it's in the book it's suggested that maybe they're going to get away with it because they also flee in the book. By the way, the dad's like, "We're going to get to go to Guam." Um, bad news. If you go to Guam, you're still going to get arrested. Guam is a U.S. protectorate. The FBI still has jurisdiction. He would still, and so by having those sirens there, it kind of implies that they're not even going to make it to the airport. No. The adoption is something that is, again, absolutely from the book. Um, I do have one last point before we get to the adoption, because I have a lot of points that I want to make here about this entire thread. One thing that that the movie also does is it kind of plays up more Trunchbull being humiliated by the kids at the school. Uh, It really kind of plays that up, uh, which the marketing played up to no end. My God, the marketing played that scene up. And that was kind of annoying to me. Again, I don't think Sony did a very good job on marketing this movie. But then the movie goes and makes a smarter decision. Which is, um, you know, the movie also... But the book also ends with Matilda being adopted by Miss Honey. I really love that relationship in the movie and in the book. Because it really plays up the idea that... The movie really plays up the idea that they're both abuse survivors. We really sense that they're... That they've both been through tremendous abuse. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of very subtle similarities, too. Like, for one, you know, the doll, the addition of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matilda has her little handmade doll that she also has for comfort. Which, by the way, was designed by Mara Wilson, actually. Really? Yeah, that was designed by her. Interesting. That's perfect. It was. But, yeah, that's that's just... It's just a, a subtle thing to make you go, yeah, these uh, uh, these two are kindred spirits. Yeah, I mean, the movie just really plays that up. It plays up the idea that they're both survivors of abuse. And 
I think that's necessary to play up their similarities and to really underline how horrible their family situations were. Because otherwise, that ending is going to be damned hard to take. Because, I mean, that is kind of a hell of a gambit for the movie and the book to end on. Which is, Matilda just happily leaves her family. The movie has to make you believe that that's a good idea. It works in the book because the book is so elevated. The movie has to match that elevation level. And it does. It does, because that still totally works. It's still a perfect ending. It helps that you believe that this is the best thing. Even starting with the whole bit where after Matilda's a newborn, we hear her parents complaining about the cost and how mad they are about it. Yeah, I just, one thing that, one thing that stuck with me, the way he's carrying the, the child seat. Not how you do it. No, it's like, I'm, yeah, and you could tell, you know, and uh, as far as on screen, it's empty, of course, but it's, it's like, good Lord. Yeah, trust me, I'm having a lot of experience carrying car seats. That's not how you do it. Have to carry one many times a day, so, yeah. Yeah, and they leave the kid in the car when they go in, like, you know, like they just, uh, as oh, if they, like, went to the store and left groceries in the car. Oh, it's horrifying. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the movie, uh it's, it's, it's un... So the movie really makes it clear that, yeah, this is the only happy ending that can be possible. But I feel like it does a really good job of playing up the idea that Miss Honey has her own uh, trauma. Um, M. Beth Davids does a superb job in the part, by the way. She's very good. I like that she kind of plays up the weakness of the character, which keeps her from being a little bit too much of an overly too good character. It's like she's a good person, but we can really sense how broken and weak she is at the same time that she doesn't have any courage. You're talking that... about Miss Honey? Yes. Yeah. I, I like that. I think that's a really good touch for the adaptation, and it really does work. Yeah, it's like there is there is a tiny bit of defiance there. Like the uh, uh, the thing about, you know, she decorates her classroom with all the stuff that her uh, that the kids have made, and, but there's a mechanism to hide it when the trench bowl shows up. Yeah. So there is a little bit of defiance, but it's still like, uh... <laughs> it, it's mixed with strong cowardice, yeah, and it's, again, it's a great performance. It's, it's a great, just a great, it's a great character. It's, oh, I love this movie so much. I really, really did love this movie. But it, but the movie then does something else that I thought was really effective, which is, at the end, it plays out the end beat maybe about 30 seconds longer than the book did, because the movie, the book ends with Matilda getting adopted, and that's it. And the movie shows that they have a happy life together. And, the, and that kind of seals in the idea that here are these two people that have been through unimaginable pain, and they have each other, and that's the happy ending of the story. It's great. It's just fantastic. Uh, it's really well done. Also, something else that the movie does that the book did not do is the book establishes that Matilda loses her powers because she's put in higher-level classes. We don't want—who wants that as an ending? The movie establishes that she doesn't use them much, but she still has them. Vastly prefer that ending. I kind of understand how, why the book ends that way, because it is kind of—her uh, powers are kind of born out of— um, out of like the abuse that she suffered and just sort of the you know it's kind of the after effects from that i think you might have like told me like when after you first watched it i think you said that the the fact that she that the movie shows that hey she still actually does have them but she doesn't use them as much actually creates a more powerful statement on that because yeah the effects of abuse don't just go away no, they don't. And and that that is true, that she still has pain. And it, that's one thing that, that's one thing that, in, that strangely enough, the live action really does kind of play up. And it, it, that could be a detriment to the movie. I think it might have something to do with why a number of people really don't like the movie. I should point out, it has a 6.8 score at, at uh, IMDb, and that feels really, that's way too low to start off. I, I'm, I'm far more in agreement. I never put much stock in IMDb ratings. <laughs> but it does suggest that a lot of people really don't like the movie and do have a strong ne negative reaction. Uh, Doug Walker famously 
really does not like the film, but will not review it, but will not review it on his show because he knows that he can't get a good reaction from it. Also, uh, at this point, he's friends with Meyer Wilson, so... Yeah, which, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm with, uh, I'm far more with the Rotten Tomatoes score. I, I think a 90% is far more accurate. Because yeah. this is, let's be clear, this is definitely a kid's movie that if you're an adult, you're going to enjoy. You're going to greatly enjoy it. You're going to probably get a lot more of the jokes than the kids will. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really damn good movie. I, I was very happy with it. Um, You know, as I said, the film, not a huge box office performer, has gone on to have a nice long legacy. Um, We have to briefly talk a little bit about... Uh, how Wilson feels about it. She's been very open about the fact that a, she has no desire ever to return to, to acting. Uh, she, she does some voice acting here and there. She's on the new season of Bojack Horseman. Yeah. And also of course, Night Vale. Yeah. She, she's, she's on Night Vale occasionally, but she's made it very clear that she's, she's fine with never going back to acting. Um, she's happy. She just doesn't enjoy it as much. She does not enjoy, she doesn't enjoy making uh, live action work. She also cameoed on broad city because, well, she was given the chance to do Broad City. Come on, who wouldn't do that? That's an awesome show, and she's a fan. And they're fans of hers, so it, it works out great. But she's gone on... Her Twitter feed is awesome. I, I've actually had a couple... I've actually had a couple of interactions with her over the years. Uh, she's awesome. She's awesome. I, I, her Twitter feed is awesome. She recently changed uh, her handle, though, uh, to her name. From Mara Wright stuff to Mara Wilson. Uh she's an interesting figure i will say i know she doesn't like to act but there are enough hints here and there that that might be a loss to cinema that might be a loss that might actually be a loss because she is so great here and there what few things she's done have made it clear that she does still have a tremendous amount of talent i think cinema might be a little bit better if she was working certainly comedy because she's very good at comedy she's very good on She's very good she on Bojack. She's really funny. Yeah, she's very good on Bojack. Um, she got... Uh, uh, one of my f- favorite things she's done on Twitter was get uh, uh, E.L. James to block her. Yes, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That was a great interaction. I regret that we're doing this cast before I could get my hands on her memoir. Uh, I do have it on hold at the library. It just hasn't processed yet. She has her memoir out? Yes, uh, with to very strong response. It's gotten very good reviews. Um, what's it? What's it called? Where am I now? Where am I now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's uh, very good response, and she does talk very openly about the fact that she's still very proud of this movie. Yeah, yeah, and I've read, um, I've read a little bit of her, uh, like reminiscing about uh, how Danny DeVito was just the most awesome person to work with. Especially helping her through this very painful situation in her life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, again, unimaginable. How sad. And she ta- and she's talked a lot on Twitter about the fact that 20 years later, that still scars her. I mean, yeah. I mean she, was, she was nine when she lost her mother. That's, that's painful. Maybe even a bit younger. Yeah, I've read a bit of, like, she, do- she did, like, a, uh, on her blog, she did a bit of a Q&A. As far as like you know, just answering lots of questions that she's gotten uh, about you know her life as a child actor, and apparently you know she didn't want to talk about it for a long time just because yeah yeah just because it was so personal and it was uh, you know and then after after a while after some of the you know scars healed she finally opened up a bit. And I'm glad she has. I'm, I'm glad she has. Um, I am looking forward to reading the book. Uh, actually, really, what I should do is less read it. I should really get my hands on the audiobook. Yeah, I'm actually looking that up because if... Yeah, it's narrated by her. Yeah, oh yeah, well, she, yeah, absolutely it's narrated by her. I will, by the way, point out that uh, Roald Dahl's book uh, does have an audiobook, of course. It's narrated by Kate Winslet. The audiobook of Matilda is narrated by Kate Winslet. <laughs> Really? Yeah, that would be awesome. That I need to hear, because I'm sure that's awesome. Library has that, actually. I should get that from the library. I'm adding these to my to my Audible wish list. Yeah, come to think of that, I should really be... I wonder if the library would get in the audiobook. I, I, I'd rather... I prefer to listen to books anyway. If You know, if they're memoirs, I prefer to listen to them, because... 
Um, I, I did that with uh, Patton Oswalt's memoirs. Uh. Oh, that's another one I need to add. Um, I just listened to Felicia Day's uh, memoir, You're Never Weird on the Internet Almost, and she narrates it, and it just adds that little bit. Yeah, n- memoirs really should be listened to, I think. Um, yeah, and that's a, that's a great memoir if you can get... It's very deep. It's very... Because uh, well, I know she's been had a hard time with especially with people accusing her of being fake that yeah and it's and you know she she went through a real addiction like her her world of warcraft stuff was a real addiction that like really fucked up her life but at least it led to some good art it did it did it led to some fantastic art because uh, the guild is awesome it is yeah so, and to be clear she's She's absolutely fine now, but yeah, yeah. But she went through a lot of hardship. But uh, yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, I, I yeah. Apparently, Wilson does address this movie quite a bit in the uh, book, um, and inc- even includes an open letter to the character. One thing though that does bug her is when people address her as the character, uh, as Matilda. Yeah, guys. It's like they're creeped out by the fact that they're creeped out by things like. Uh, she's openly uh, bisexual, among other things, and they're like, "Oh, we don't want to know this." And it's like, "Grow up, guys." She's twenty nine. She's twenty nine. She's an adult. That's she's practically my age. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, she, you you can't keep clinging to. Yeah, she's a little bit older than Amanda. Um, you can't keep clinging to to the fact that you know people grow up. Um, at least at least she grew up awesome. I mean, at least she grew up to be a really awesome person. Um. But I, I again, I, I just so so much good here. Um, I would be remiss by the way if I didn't point out the musical is extremely acclaimed. Uh, the musical the, version of the, the book, musical? yeah, and it's extremely acclaimed. It has nothing to do with the movie, of course. But of course, is there a soundtrack? I need to look that up. I'm, I'm pretty sure there is. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of uh, work listing uh, material yeah. just from this cast. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've heard great. In fact, I, I may look that up too myself. What's what's Patton's uh, memoir called? Silver Screen Fiend and uh, a Zombie Spaceship Wasteland. Oh, I see both of them now. Awesome. Yeah, the, and of course, both are read by the author. Of course, because yeah, very short books, but they're, they're short. They're short listens, but they're well worth it. They're interesting listens. Um, and Oswald is a very animated narrator. Again, cheers to him on the Emmy win, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he won for... Deserved as hell, uh, Talking for Clapping. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The the Netflix thing. Writing, he won... Yeah, yeah, he won for uh, writing. Yeah, that's yeah. deserved. Ooh, that's deserved. Are... That special is hysterical. It is great, yeah. Yeah, and that's the one, sad. That's the one where he talks about uh, his... Uh, uh, him and his daughter really loving My Little Pony. Yeah. That's <laughs> a great joke. Wow, that didn't... It, wow, was I not surprised to see where he wound up. Yeah. And of course... And of course, uh, he just recently did a voice for it. I... Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so much warmth there, but... I wish I hadn't waited 20 years when it's all said and done. I, I, I think this was... This is this is a really strong movie. This is a really strong movie. Everybody involved should be pleased with it. Um, and I, I know they are. I do wish uh, Sony would do a better job of handling the home release, but that's... You know, treat this movie like the beloved film it is. Um, I guess you mentioned uh, you it is, it is widescreen on the Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray... Yes. Does not have any special features. There are some special features. Apparently, they did a cast reunion, so there is that. Ah, that's good. Yeah, that's probably that. That alone's probably worth it. Um, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I, I w- let me stress one other thing. Do not remake this movie. No, never. Yeah, let's let this be the only adaptation of the book. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fine with this being the only adaptation. This is all it needs. Yeah. Please don't. This is the this is the only adaptation it needs. So yeah, I'm just I'm I'm glad I saw it. This is this is an awesome film, and if you've never seen it, definitely take the time. It's it's a quick hundred minutes. Yeah, it's this is a sublime film. 
uh, one thing I will point out, by the way, I thought initially the score was done by Thomas Newman because it sounded very much like him. It's Randy uh, Newman? No, it's not. Is no, that? it's not. Oh. No, it's uh, David Newman, actually. David Newman. Oh, okay. He's the guy that did. Um, I don't know if David Newman is, or if Randy Newman is any relationship to uh, Thomas and David, but Thomas and David are absolutely related. They're brothers. So, nice. I, yeah. I could I could have sworn that Thomas Newman was Randy Newman's son. Let me look up. They may actually be some kin. Um, Please do, because they have very similar styles. They do, actually. They really do. Um, in fact, I'm certain they're related. It's just how related. Um, uh, he is the son of Alfred Newman. Randy Newman is his cousin. Uh, okay, they're cousins. Yeah, but his uh, I knew brother is something there. But his father, Alfred, was also a composer. Nice. So it is a family of composers. Damn, his his father won nine Oscars. Whew. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. The music uh, runs strong in that family. I believe at the Oscars, yeah, at the Oscars he is completely shut out. He is, ne- <clears throat> which is wrong in my opinion. He's done at least a couple of scores that were Oscar caliber, um... Uh, American Beauty would have been a good place to win. Uh, Finding Nemo, Wally, he, he did great work on Wally. Oh yeah, I've I've listened to uh, some of his uh, Pixar soundtracks recently, and yeah, they. And he actually worked with uh, Peter Gabriel on uh, Down to Earth. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah. But anyway, I just yeah, this is an awesome movie. Uh, you can find this on our blog at thefilmroom.podbean.com you can like us on facebook we almost have a thousand likes which is completely awesome facebook.com slash filmer we recently got misattributed did you notice that Uh, yeah how were we misattributed (laughs) i don't know it's like this i looked it up it's uh, a page called him and her oh Uh, that felt like that felt like spam yeah, it yeah, but I looked into it and they are actually based out of Air New Zealand or Australia and they do weddings. They're like a wedding band that that made a music video uh and they attributed us to having made the music video and there must be some other entity called the film room down in down in the down under. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> that is very strange. I yeah, I'm just putting out there that that's, uh, anybody who sees that, that's misattributed. But, I mean, more power to them. Twitters. You can find us on our Twitter. We are at FilmRoomCast. Austin is at UntitledUser. I am at PermanentManPRD. And our good friend, uh, Harold Ragsdale, is at CyberGunFilms. Slowly playing up that narrative, by the way. Having fun with that. There are hints of something really horrible having happened. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 busy these days. You can email us. Uh, we love getting emails. We love getting feedback. If you have any suggestions or feedback or whatever, just send it our way. We love it. And uh, and hey, you might get mentioned on the cast if you do so. Uh, Filmroompodcast at gmail.com. Our Patreon. We are still close to thirty, and the God's Not Dead Two mark, uh, and also the website mark, and uh, still want that website <laughs> centralized hub be a good thing for all and this blurb would be much shorter with that be hey just go to our website and possibly our facebook and twitter boom that's it but and of course patreon but yeah uh we thank we thank you for the continued support of our current patrons uh thank you daisy thank you sheila thank you bridget thank you uh nathan thank you uh sean from no totally mm-hmm. Yeah, much much appreciated. You keep uh, you keep us running. You keep the lights on. So uh, thank you so much. Yep. Thanks. See you guys later. Later.
bog-trotter. You're a disgusting criminal, aren't you? I don't know what you're talking about. Cake. Chocolate cake. You slithered like a serpent into the school kitchen and ate my personal snack! Do you deny it? Well, it's hard for me to remember a specific cake. This one was mine. And it was the most scrumptious cake in the entire world. My mom's is better. <laughs>